2: John What's
1: the interlow rages on we've decided to tell you who's underperformed met expectations or exceeded expectations and no you don't get to tell me about me this is the arsenal vision post match podcast my name is ellie smith you can block me on twitter yankee gunner yeah we're gonna have a little fun i hope you caught up with us last week we did um takes that we got right and takes that maybe we got wrong. Uh Clive was unable to join because again uh did not have any takes eligible for the what we got wrong segment, so that's a shame, but you know, you got to work with what you're given. And uh so now we're going to pick out some people related to the club and say whether they have underperformed expectations this season, met expectations or exceeded expectations and maybe get into the why because otherwise it'd be a hell of a boring podcast. But no, we will not be doing whether I have underperformed, met, or exceeded expectations because I can imagine, only imagine what your answers would be. So, Uh, First thing first, I want to say thanks for being here. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're happy and healthy. You may have noticed that there were some audio issues with the podcast last time around. I fixed them after being uh, politely told about them. But if you didn't get the fix, I apologize. I am still uh, at my parents' home in Florida, which I'm thrilled to be at, having not traveled for a year. And we've taken the risk. My wife is vaccinated. My parents are vaccinated. I've decided to throw uh, my own wellness and and health and well-being to the wind uh, in favor of, of my family being able to see one another, which is obviously very important. And so, fingers crossed everything goes well but from an audio standpoint hasn't been ideal so last podcast under those circumstances we'll be doing uh, a west ham first half rewatch if you can believe it for patrons as well as another patron episode that i think is going to be fun and clive has a fun idea for a squad building episode coming soon so with that out of the way i think it's time to dive in tim's on twitter at hello tim hello there and clive's on twitter at clive pfc hello clive hello there. Hello, indeed. Um, This is fun, by the way. I don't have a a loop back of the audio, so I can't hear myself. And uh, the pod's better than I've ever done it. So really exciting. Um, Okay, let's get started. This is very easy, right? You're going to say whether they have underperformed, met, or exceeded expectations. And again, the key word is expectations. So it doesn't have to be whether they've been awesome. It just has to be whether they've been, how they compare with what you expected of them. And what you expected of them may certainly impact your answer. I'm going to tee up an easy one so that we can all get on the same page. Consider this like a, a level set of expectations, a level check, a mic check, to see if we are all using the same brain, we are all of the same mind, uh, or if some of us need to be adjusted. So Tim, mm. William. <laughs> underperformed met or exceeded expectations <laughs> yeah that
3: that's an emphatic underperformed isn't it really i i mm. you you know how these things are usually quite um quite divisive and you get lots of different opinion i'd honestly be shocked if there was one person who would say i can imagine someone being really contrary and saying met expectations because i thought he was crap or something like that but um i can't i just can't think anyone would say overperformed put it that way
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, here's the reality, right? In order for this transfer to really make sense, I think a lot of us felt year two might be a disaster, year three might be a disaster. But the expectation was hit the ground running. He, he played in the Premier League for Chelsea. You know, he's he's coming into a team ready to go and he can immediately make an impact this season. I think some of us, Clive and I, I think we're among them, thought maybe he'll play that number 10 role, allowing us to play Saka on one wing and Pepe on the other and Oba through the middle and Willian will link them together. Um... You know, maybe not a role that we should have anticipated him thriving in, but one we thought he might play. Not only did he not play that, but he started out by replacing Pepe in the lineup, which I think none of us saw coming. And then on the left, doing some things that I think none of us saw coming, certainly. And while there's been an uptick in his form, the form he's hitting now, if he had been playing this way all season, I still think we Hmm. would probably barely be saying met for expectations. Is that fair?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the other the things i've been thinking about with this move as well is like you know he's moved from chelsea and i i know him and his family are very settled in london and that was um, a big part because he did have other offers and i think he had other three-year offers as well not just from arsenal but i i think this was probably like the biggest club who gave him that offer but i know that staying in london was a, a big carrot for him um and it's a bit of a weird one isn't it because you can move from one london club to another and on one hand you can think well you know i'm in the same city don't have to move house kids are in the same school lovely but at the same time it can still be a really big environment change and um and i i think between Arsenal and Chelsea it probably is and he said as much in an interview with uh, ESPN Brazil this week he was kind of saying you know things are are still very different even though I've only moved across the city Um, he wasn't saying they were better or worse just different Um, although we can probably hazard a guess (laughs) Um, (laughs) but but you know so like I don't know if maybe he wasn't expecting much of a change because he was thinking oh I'm just moving across the city my best mates here in David Luiz or and, and maybe it was a bit more of a culture shock than he was expecting or maybe maybe mm. um that has nothing to do with it and it was just more of a change than he was expecting
1: yeah i mean it's all possible and uh, i think it it look the speculation of whether it's age related decline or the, the system hasn't fit him or you know he just hasn't been trying i'm not sure i buy that you know whatever the case may be um you know it doesn't change what the end result is so clive i will let you polish this one off I am expecting an under for you here, so we can all be on the same page as we go forward to the harder ones. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking to think that there might be might be a different answer. What do you say?
2: Um, I'm not going to do a poll on you. Uh, I'm going to say under. <laughs> uh, <goodness>. I think, <laughs> I think it may, as you guys are talking, I, I sometimes think, you know, what what did we expect from him to say? he Hit the ground running is a bit broad. I think what we expected was not just, you know somebody can help bridge the squad, you know, from a football perspective and mm. really connect people from using your experience to connect people. And I did think positionally I couldn't see him being on the right. I think, why did you do that? You know, obviously we did because <laughs> that's what we do because we're bright. I thought it might be left or centre, but just in a connection role. Not, And so that bothers me a little bit. I think maybe we didn't scrutinise him enough as fans. So we, we weren't sure what we'd get. We only see his highlights and match a day. Maybe most people, so we expected to see that. Uh, and I think also within you know wherever you say, I know Chelsea are a big club and they've got a big better recent history. There's a huge scrutiny from Arsenal fans, and the environment <laughs> Arsenal is. It's not a smaller environment you might think just because we're further down the league that you can come here and and have a little jog and go on holiday. But actually, the scrutiny, being an Arsenal player, is massive. And I think that shook him. I think the criticism shook him. um, And I think he struggled with that. You know, I really did. And mm. and I think sometimes, you know, <laughs> playing for Arsenal is not the easiest thing in the world. And if you're going to play, play well. And I think maybe he took him a while to adjust to that as well. I agree with Tim's points about the London environment. I think we did everything. We were perfect for him. I sometimes think, well, I know now. I don't think he's perfect for us, not just from the football side of things, but just what he brings. I don't think he, I, I believe, I just really feel strong about it. I know he's an intangible, I know you guys don't like that always, but he just didn't bring the positive energy that I expected him to bring. You know, I don't know why I did, but I expected an experienced player to bring some leadership and some energy, and, I, and he just didn't do that. And If someone doesn't do that, then I didn't look at their football and their play if you're not up to it, I'm wondering ultimately what are you what have you done for me lately? You know, what are you doing? You know? So um yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way. So yeah, underperformed.
1: Maybe it's just a little, little bit of a reminder too, that as fans, we overplay leadership and experience a little bit. I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but if you look at the players who have been absolutely crucial for us this season, Saka, Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Gabriel, right? You look at the players that have really made a difference uh, you know and again I, I mean there are others that are there are more experienced that have made a difference but even Tierney you're talking about players who are 18 19 23 Kieran Tierney's what 23 so or 24 23 24 point is you know the players that are experienced Obamayang Louise Shaka Willian and they haven't all been universally bad, but there's been underperformance. There's been some discipline issues. And so we as fans love to believe that it is the experience that matters most. And maybe behind the scenes, maybe in the dressing room, you know, you hear about Louise's leadership in the dressing room and, and, and Willian may like that too. But certainly on the pitch, it is the younger players pushing through, knocking on the door, really making a difference. And it's a reminder the next time there's a player that we could maybe acquire whose chief um, principal contribution is going to be leadership that maybe we just set that one aside. So I will say one thing in Williams defense, which is I'm not sure a lot of players were suited to the 3 three, four, three we were playing early on. Um, it had a lot of different positional requirements. It was very complex in the way Arteta wanted to play with him without the ball. Since the switch to the four, two, three, one, everyone has looked better. William included. And again, I'm not saying that means he's been good and he's met expectations, but maybe, maybe just a little caveat for him there. And hopefully he, he can get a bit better to the extent that we need him as the season goes on. So, Let's get to a more complicated one, uh, uh, Clive. I'll bounce this one back to you, and I think it's going to be maybe more complicated than we think. So I, I don't want you to just answer, you know, right off the top of your head. Not that you have time to go back and consider it and come <laughs> back with the answer. But uh, so maybe just whatever's on the top of your head. Then Thomas Party under oh. met or exceeded expectations.
2: Well, my expectations. Well, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say that met. Exactly. I'm going to say okay. met mm-hmm. only because. Only, only because of injury, only because of injury and maybe a r- bit of recency. I think if you're looking at it from the season and you're thinking that Arsenal are mm-hmm. in a situation where we had to buy Williams <laughs> free transfers, you mm-hmm. see what I mean? That's where we were. That's, what, that's why I think he was presented to us. And then there may be a late pivot to look, we got some money to spend. Where do we go? Let's go for this guy. We can just really get his release clause sorted out. And then you think, okay, we spent 45 million pounds, 50 million euros on this guy. And he's been injured for a number of games, missed maybe nine, ten games, not sure of the exact number. So if you've got the expectation that this guy will come in and fix everything including world peace and world hunger, then he's not gonna meet your expectations, right? So and obviously when we've seen him, he's he spent time coming back from injury where he's losing fitness. So he's been a sixty minute, seventy minute player. And he may have had maybe five or so games where he's looked really properly fit. And that's why I say met expectations. Otherwise, I'd say, um, you know, I'd say something else. Well, I think I've got to be honest and say, from a season point of view, although I know the player what he can do, and I do fairly believe he's a transformational signing. At this point in time, I can't bring everyone on that journey with me until he does Mm -hmm. it for more than five games in a row. I think that's just down to health and fitness. But I do think from here on in, if he stays injury free we asked me this question a little while and depending on what happens in Europa League like, that answer could change but where we are right now gotta be really honest and say due to injury um, he just met expectation.
1: Yeah and I mean I, it'd be fair if you, if we're doing a progress report sometimes they have a thing called incomplete and for him it's maybe incomplete I haven't given you that option so I'm glad you picked Met um, Tim I'm going look I've been in the party wars <laughs> you, you have a little bit I was in a big way I wasn't so sure this transfer was right for us, but I thought the player was good. I'm going to say something that feels contradictory. I think Party has been even better than I expected. I think Party has been sensational at his peak, and still I will say underperformed so far only because Mm -hmm. we bought a prime-age, star-level central midfielder to come in and transform this team. And for a variety of reasons, ranging from fitness you know, an injury and formation. We are sitting ninth and he has not had the ability to have the impact that at the upper bound, I thought he could. When he has played and played well, he has been stunning. Uh, I think there have been periods of games that we've seen with him. Uh, I think the West Ham comeback is a good example where he, and and I know Odegaard really shined in that game, but I think having rewatched the second half with Clive, Party did as well where he has really taken the reins over for central midfield and been a dominant force. And when Shaka came off in that game, he just became a one-man midfield. At his best for us, he hasn't just exceeded my expectations, he's wildly exceeded them. But I think on the balance, in terms of wanting him to be transformational for us, he hasn't been on the pitch enough to do it, and he's had some games, not a lot, but some games, where he just hasn't quite hit the level, for a variety of reasons. Like the Leicester game, where it was what him and El Elneny and Shaka all played, and the ball didn't really go through him enough, and that wasn't his fault. So I'm going to say under, but almost through no fault of his own, if that's fair, because I think there's so much more that he can do, and that I've hoped he would do for us. So where do you fall between those two?
3: Yeah, I I actually find this one quite easy to say under. Um, A a lot of that is circumstance and injury, um, as you say, but and i i completely agree i think there have been plenty of games and again i I do think this is largely fitness based i do think there have been plenty of games where he's been pretty rubbish actually um where he's not really looked in the game or he's been loose on the ball and my god someone needs to tell him to stop shooting
1: Um, (laughs) maybe shaq told him hey when you're
3: 30 yards (laughs) out make sure you shoot not only is 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 it not really working, but it's it, like a lot of moves are dying um, as a result of that. Um, but look, put it this way. if um on the day we signed him, I came back from the future, i e today and said, this is what we'd get from Thomas Party by April. Nobody would take that. Um, mm. Everybody would be disappointed by that, you know. Regardless of who, you know, how far he bears re- personal responsibility for that. Um, so far, to be honest, I think we've bought Abu Dhabi. Is basically what we've done because mm. he's either been injured, recovering from injury, and he's veered between doing absolutely amazing things that no one else in our squad can do and doing some quite crap things that are quite annoying it, it has been like having abu Dhabi back for me mm. <laughs> um, and and don't get me wrong i'm i'm not worried um about like i'm not worried about the reasons for that i think i know the reasons for that um so long as his fitness comes back i think he will be absolutely fine you know where his performance, I think, his performance at Old Trafford and Erdegaards against West Ham are probably the two standout performances of the season. So we we know the level of the player um, from what we saw at Old Trafford um, in in particular, and we we've, we've seen flashes of that since. But you I'd say we've would, only y- seen flashes.
1: That's fair. And you know what I would say, Tim? Here's how I draw the distinction between him and William. With William, what has surprised me has been his his quality. It's been far poorer than I expected. Yep. With Party, I think he, at his best, he's actually even been a level above what I thought he might be. I think quality is not an issue for Party, but for one reason or another, integration, system, fitness, injury have prevented him from sustaining the level of quality he has flashed enough for me to say that he's met or exceeded expectations. Now, if you said to me, what do I think I'll be saying about him 12 months from now? It wouldn't surprise me if I'm an exceeded. You know, the problem for players with high expectations also is they have to hit a very high level to meet them, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, like, I am sure even maybe by the end of the season... I'm sure that will come to. So long as he stays fit, like I'm sure that will come to at least probably come closer to a met. And probably mm. this time next year, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking at exceeded. Hopefully, I, I'm not. I'm not really worried. I, I understand why it's happened, but yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I just think it's definitely an under.
1: I'll tell you this much: if he runs the show against Manchester United one more time this season, we'll be in the Champions League next season, and then he will have exceeded. If you follow me there. <laughs> Because be, they'll yes. be in the European final. Did, did, did that? Yeah, that makes yeah, sense, right? The way I yeah, said. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> Clive, final word on this.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's interesting you pick these two players because to start with, because a lot of our expectations are driven by what was our perception to the player before they arrived. True. And I think my perception of William, I just I said it, you know, I just expect him to do what he does for Chelsea against Spurs all the time, bang it in the bottom corner. <laughs> so when I see him jogging around with a with a glump groom <laughs> a glum face on, I think what's what's up what's up with you? You know, so um so uh, we we we'll have a perception I think when Arsenal spent 45 million quid on Thomas Barney I do think people's expectations and perception that player was well last time I saw him was against Atletico Madrid for first Liverpool and he ran them into the ground that's another best Liverpool team in in recent memory and he just and he smashed them he he smashed them down the centre of the pitch so I expect to see that you know I think Really working hard to look at the player before he arrives can maybe drive some of the expectations. I'm not saying your your answers are incorrect. I'm just saying it's interesting those two players. The two players I, th- I think are hard to read football wise on the pitch. We've positioned them and how they play, I think maybe drive some perceptions. Thomas Party from a how he looks, people think expect him to be like certain players in our recent history. And, um, and William as a creator. Someone who's not creating get on the ball, creating lines. Again, it looks like someone players in our recent history. It's it's a lot of things that go up to make that perception of the player, which also maybe drives some of the expectations and those two players as much as anybody really. So it's interesting mm-hmm. first two choices there. Yeah.
1: I got a couple of fun ones coming up, but I just want to dive into the embrace debate section. So let's just go to it. Let's just go to it now. I was going I was gonna put this after the break. Let's do it now. Tim, mm. Mikel Arteta underperformed <laughs> met or exceeded expectations under <laughs>
3: I mean again I I think this is quite straightforward actually yeah definitely um we're out of the FA Cup ninth um still in the Europa League so there's you know if he wins that then he'd you know he'd come up to met or exceeded maybe but yeah definitely under we're we're sitting below where we finished last season and we have been pretty much all season um, it's it's definitely an under. I would. Um, I don't know if you remember this because it would just be impossible to actually go back and look at this. But remember what your Twitter timeline looked like on the opening day when we thumped Fulham three nil. Everyone mm-hmm. was saying, "Oh, we might, we might compete for the title this year." Um, you know, after the FA Cup and even the Community Shield, it engendered a lot of good feeling. Um, we looked like we were going to get. Um, you know, either either one of. Uh, Hour or party at that point, um, and and we duly did. I mean, again, expectations were well. I think expectations were definitely to finish in the top six, maybe the top four, and we we've not been in those positions at all all seasons. So, um, if you, if you wanted to break it down since like Christmas, you could maybe say Met. But for this season, like if your expectations at the beginning of this season were to be ninth in April um then yeah wow (laughs) well let me just give you
1: something here we set the league finish in our 2021 prediction sheet at five and a half i said over uh at fifth i predicted fifth paul predicted sixth clive predicted fourth tim predicted fifth scott predicted sixth so even the gloomiest among us which weirdly was paul and scott um we're underperforming that right now. Now, for league points, I set it at 62 and a half. I picked over 63. Paul said 63. Clive said 68. Tim said 68. And Scott said 60. I think that's kind of clear that we're under. Now, I said in terms of league goals, I said 68 scored. Paul said 66. Clive said 66. Tim said 66. Scott said 64. And for conceded, 44, 48, 40, Clive loves our defense, 44 and 47. Every metric we predicted were probably, not definitely, but probably trending to underperform. So, I mean, that's that's one view. Clive, I find this actually trickier than I expected because Tim is right to point out that going into this season, I think we're all riding a wave. What Arteta did with this team prior to Boxing Day is nothing short of a massive, massive underperformance of our expectations. What he has done since is the reason I wanted him hired. Really exciting, attacking-style football that puts our players in positions to get the most out of them. Interesting sort of jugo de position mixed in with sort of a standard 4-2-3-1 that connects the lines and creates chances and is fun to watch. And even if it doesn't always produce results, I'm entertained by it. You know, West Ham was maddening and exciting in equal measure, but I missed that. I like that. So, you know, he's got us going forward in Europe, which, which you know, was a big part of why I was down on him last season was the loss to Olympiacos. He's got us through to the quarters now. I, I find what's happened since Boxing Day to meet or even slightly exceed my expectations of what I thought Mikel Arteta should be doing early in his young career. I just can't give him that on the basis of what went before it, which was such a demonstrable underperformance. So how do you, how do you balance the equities there?
2: well I can't really because you know you look at the facts and you know I was one of those people that you know, was thinking top four top six at the start of the season the fact we're not there I, you have to say what it is right so if you look at football and think well anything that goes wrong is the manager's fault then then he underperforms right And but we lived those days didn't we we lived those games we lived those Burnley games etc and I don't lay every single issue at the manager's door so it's difficult for me. So I can easily say he underperformed because that's just the way of the West because somebody's already tweeted me listening to this saying, well, Clive is the major responsibility. So you've got to accept that. However, when I look at the manager and I have to divorce myself from the actual question, uh, I have to look at it and think, actually, I'm really excited by what's happening. You know, I, I can't take away that feeling. And so for the podcast, I say, it's an under, but I'm actually quietly thinking he's exceeding. And he's exceeding based on the year that he's had in his in his first job, and what sort of a mess that he's having to inherit. How he couldn't, you know, really push the project forward because of the situation where we're in. Certain clubs took advantage of that situation and they stabilised their clubs from a recruitment point of view. They're in different points in their cycle, and some other clubs have suffered injuries and suffered issues. And they've struggled. They've dropped away, and other clubs have taken advantage. Get a little bit more solid, a little bit more functional. They've taken advantage, and we've we, where we are in our sort of life cycle. We've suffered, but strangely, we've suffered. As you said earlier, from some of our experienced footballers. And so we should have been, some of that should have been cushioned for us. And it wasn't. In fact, some of those experienced players actually caused some of the dramas. So we're like eight, nine points down. And that it looks completely different with eight, nine points on top Then we may be saying met, if not, you know, probably saying met. But I'd say under. But I do think it's a much more complex question that it's almost a podcast on its own. But for this podcast, I would say under, while recognizing as an individual. I think he's starting to exceed my expectations, and how he's approaching this, and how he's approaching the problems now. I think he's learning very, very quickly, and I think I do honestly feel the future is bright.
1: It's it's ironic. I set the over/under at sixty-two and a half points for our league predictions uh, this summer, and all of us except Scott, the the bum with his analytics and his spreadsheet, uh, all of us picked over. He picked under at sixty, but I picked sixty-three. Paul picked sixty-three. It's not out of the question. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's not out of the question. And If we were to finish with like 63, for example, which is basically what I predicted, that, that I've got to give him a Met, um, even though the way we got there is really uh, uh, interesting to say the least. We took the path less traveled by, as, as George Frost might say. I, I think from an intangible standpoint, Clive, if you want to give him an over- performed on the intangibles, if you feel that the culture he's built and the way he laid down the law and the way he solved challenging problems within the squad deserves the credit. I i, I mean, there's a debate to be had about that, but I'm not here to tell you that's wrong. I, I think it is such a difficult season to analyze because of the way that it's very, yeah. um, it has do, really dual personalities I mean it is oh, massive you know it's as bad as it gets and as good as it well not as it's been, it been
2: good very as traumatic as gets, yeah. if I'm yeah. honest has you it's been, yeah. a, it's been one of not the a season where you want to be in the analyst business huh <laughs> yeah it's, it's been let's not mess about let's just think about we all podcast before Christmas didn't we those were not the most fun weeks were they they really weren't you know and um I'm not going to forget they existed because they really did exist, and I was very, very, very down about it. And, um, so yeah, there was a there was not much of a pathway out. We none of us could see it or feel it, and it suddenly appeared. He's grabbed it. He's reduced the squad numbers. We've added, and and that maybe maybe was an issue, maybe a bigger issue than we actually realised. So I think a lot, of, a lot of this manifests itself in the summer, the shortened summer window. A lack of movement in the market, maybe some bad decisions about who we should sell and at what price, and basically we end up with something very ugly for the first half of the season, the like first 10-12 games, and now we've cleaned up house a bit, and now we've got something a bit more positive, so yeah, I can't say he's um, over-exceeded, but in some respects, as I said, I, I do feel... There's some real positive green shoots there, but
0: hey, here's yeah.
1: what it is. Uh, no one would deny the green shoots. Uh, you'd have to, you'd have to be the ultimate, uh, I think, in pessimism to deny the green shoots. But teach their own. Um, let's do a speed round of a couple of fun ones. What do you say? Sound good? Yeah, um, yeah. All right. So speed round on a couple of fun ones that uh, you know I, I think we should all be in agreement on. Uh, the first one we'll do. He hasn't been here long, but Tim Martin Odegaard, underperformed, met, or exceeded your expectations um there's maybe some recency
3: in this but uh, over yeah i think um i didn't not least because he didn't he didn't hasn't played a lot of football this season i was maybe expecting him to take a little bit longer to hit his stride but yeah over for me and and i don't really watch spanish football so i don't i'd heard that he was really good at real sociedad and i've heard a lot about this player but i've never actually seen him so um yeah i'd have to say over
1: yeah you know why i think this is really easy name a Loney who's had even two performances as good as Odegaard's yeah. best ever. <laughs> I can't think of any Loney that we've had in recent memory that's, that's done what he's doing, which is arrive, play an important role, clearly be a favorite for the manager, and star at this level. Now, maybe I'm... I'm Maybe I'm robbing Ceballos of some of his Project Restart performances and his FA Cup performances. That That's fair, actually, if you think about it. But, yeah, for me, it's an easy exceeds because at his worst, he's been fine, and at his best, he's been our best player. And you could argue he looks like the player that is capable of of taking us up to a level that you know we haven't really thought about in a while. So, for me, it's an easy exceeds to the point where retaining him for another season, for me at least, becomes... Becomes a priority. So Clive, you, you see it any differently?
2: <laughs> no, but you know, it's an easy it's a, it's pretty easy, isn't it? He's just given he's just given the best singular performance since Cesc in Milan. <laughs> it was just a uh, fantastic to watch. So I was when I when he first came on board I thought, yeah, you will you'll, you'll be okay. Um, I didn't have a massive close view on him. I did my research online like everybody else did and I was, I was worried about his physicality actually, I was worried about his um, his power and but he's got a different way of solving that with metronomic movement and just basically running more kilometres than anybody else so good luck trying to get him because he's one minute he's here, next minute he's over there and when you get close to him he's touched it moved it off and so yeah he knows how to fix solutions and he knows how to, he knows how to run a team, he knows how to create for a team, he basically runs the tide and yeah I never expected that I you know, never expected that I, I'm still stunned by the last performance and you could see something coming but not that and that wasn't a rubbish team we were playing so
1: no.
2: not only did he exceed it I wonder where he's gonna go you know well, that's, where he's, he's gonna 22. go
1: he's I mean, 22 you don't expect a 22 year old loanee to come and hit the ground and look like one of the great you know Let's not get over our ski tips. But one of the premier sort of number ten style, attacking eight style players in the league, within a couple of weeks of arriving. I mean, it is really a yep. remarkable uh, assimilation of the team.
2: And I thought you know when people, you know, when you compare players, it's really it's always dangerous to compare players because as soon as you do, people say, "Well, he's not as good as him. He's not good as him." And and it's like I'm not just trying to. I'm just trying to compare someone so you can see the style of play. And I'm not saying he's better or worse, etc. But when he came to us, he was called a Norwegian Messi. And I thought that's a bit strong, isn't it? Bit <laughs> Still a bit
1: strong to be
2: <laughs> yeah. fair. But as <laughs> soon as you say, soon as you say the word Messi, you you can't say anything. You know, don't be stupid. He, in my mind, he's the best player to have ever played. Yeah. Right. So to be called a Norwegian Messi, that's a tough one <laughs> to meet those expectations, but. In the last performance that we saw, the way he conducted the team is the way that Messi conducts Barcelona. And I think, oh, so maybe that's where that nickname came from. You know, so I'm not saying he's Messi, by the way, before you start. I'm just saying the way he conducts, I thought that was really, really an interesting nickname. I thought, yeah, one to watch. And I wonder where he's going to go from a potential perspective, because... He's done it in Holland. He did a bit in real society that had and he was 30 Liga player of the month maybe one or two times that season. So that's a good standard. But he's come to the Premier League, started nice and steady, got his confidence, and then he smashed it. And he just took over. It's gonna be interesting to see where he goes next. And that We'd- could literally be anywhere in his performance levels.
1: And where he'll go on the pitch, because he has quite a free roll. And that, my friends, is the transition to our next uh uh quick take here, our our Rapid Fire, which is, uh, you know, Central Defenders aren't super exciting to talk about, but they're super important. And I I don't know that we always give them enough attention on this podcast, which is a shame. I feel like, unfortunately for Central Defenders, it's when they screw up that you notice them. Um, So I do want to give them a little bit of attention, and, and no one deserves more attention, in my view, than Gabriel... I'm not going to read to you, Clive, our predictions of Gabriel starts versus William Saliba starts in our 2021 prediction sheet, but suffice it to say... This
2: this would have been one of my wrong things last week. I I, I swear I had Saliba doing a lot of things, but hey...
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we had had Saliba being the star young arrival and Gabriel being the one who takes some time to sort of hit the level or maybe as a rotational (laughs) option. To be fair, a lot of that was just based on scouting that we were told about. I hadn't seen much of Gabriel, but... But I think it's fair to say he's been our premier central defender. I don't know that it's close. And certainly for him to arrive at this age and star in a team that's had the challenges, to say the least, that it's had, I think shows great character, great quality. And I think the ceiling for him is incredibly high. So uh, for me, underperformed expectation. No, I'm kidding. That, that's, that's a massively exceeded expectations for me. Clive, what about for you?
2: Oh, yeah, I agreed. A player that I saw, but not not massively. And, you know, I did, I remember saying at the start of the season, I think, um, you know, just a quiet player of the season could be Saliba. You know, so actually, yeah, my breakout player is Saka, I think, but quiet player was Saliba. So if he does play, I think he could be the breakout player because of how he plays. Gabriel was just another player to me. And then first game he got in against Fulham... I think you know i was quite surprised him selected <laughs> but not not by the end of the game <laughs> and, uh, and he's been that way i think he's just learning very quick in the job superb athlete but again he's got spirit about him you know that goal in europe he scored you know that's that's a big goal that you know a big time and um so yeah we're starting to see some characters develop so massively exceeded and yeah i think we've got a good little setup around him to allow him not to play every minute of every game so it's going to be great to watch his development
1: yeah i mean i don't think there's any controversy here tim i assume you're going to go the same direction
3: yeah i'm i'm going to temper it slightly i'm not going to say massively exceeded i'm going to say exceeded the reason i won't say massively so i i think you've got to take a couple of things into context first of all the age so he's 22 which for a defender as well a central defender at that is is pretty young and um you know he's come from Lille and Avai, so not you know not got like a stellar background of, of playing in massive games or anything like that um and and you know I didn't know that much about him even though I'd seen him play in the flesh as a teenager <laughs> I didn't completely by accident I, I you know didn't really know much about him so you have to say exceed and he has played well there's no two ways about it obviously had I I guess um his his trajectory has just not quite gone the way um we may be expected in that he started very fast and then he had that like dip in the middle with covid and things like that Mm. and he's been rotated ever since um so it's definitely in terms of the profile and and the age definitely big exceed but the, the reason i temper it um is just because he, he did cost what 22 million pounds 25 million something like that and i think if you are which which is not by premier league standards like enormous money but it's it's significant like if if you have a 20 odd million pounds defender who doesn't do it then you know you know about it like people like if pablo mari doesn't really work out people will just go oh well you know it was it was 10 million or whatever whereas if you buy a 22 year old for that kind of money it's because you expect that they've got a lot of potential um and so i i I just temper it slightly and say he he did cost quite a bit of money um and that's you know, that's how we determine value um, mm. how much you pay for something determines how you feel about it. So uh, definitely an exceed, no question about that, but I'd I'd say, you know, uh, just a, a comfortable exceed.
1: I'll take your point about trajectory only in that the way he played early on, you think he's the first name on the team sheet at center back. And that really hasn't been the case um, no. for one reason or another. It still looks like it's Louise's position and it's his partner that gets picked. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe that will change, but that's certainly what it seems like now. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a break. When we come back, I still want to do Aubameyang. I still want to do Pepe and Lacazette. I want to get to Shaka. What we'll do is we'll have some guys where we'll just say under, met, or exceeded because we don't have time to do a discussion on all of them. I mean, we do. We're not going anywhere, and we could have a three-hour podcast, but we're not going to do that. (laughs) So we're just going to give a a quick uh, under, met, or exceeded for some of the guys, and the ones that have a little more interesting conversation still to be had will do like Yang and stuff like that, because while I think we'll all probably agree on Yang, I'd be curious to hear everyone's take. So, a couple of things to do here. The first is to tell you about, yes, Manscaped. Wow, that's my worst, that's my worst segue ever. You know what? Manscaped has exceeded my expectations for the quality and comfort and effectiveness with which it has shaved my body. How about that? How about that for Segway? That's better. Uh, Manscaped is offering you the performance package right now, and it is something uh, really special. You are going to get the lawnmower 3.0, which I know you want and I know you need and I know you're going to love. Uh, you are also and, and by the way, the lawnmower 3.0, I still use it all the time. Uh, it is battery powered, it is water resistant. I have brought it with me uh, on my trip because it is something that I don't travel without. But now you're also going to get the Weed Whacker. And as you know, my feeling about this is it's very easy to see when your private areas need shaving. It's harder to see when your nose and your ears do, because I just don't think we see that as well as other people do. So the Weed Whacker gets the ears and the nose, same skin-safe technology that you expect from uh, from Manscaped, so you're going to love that. 79% of partners polled, by the way, admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Interesting. I I would have guessed that it was a turn on, but now I feel even better about using the uh, Weed Whacker and I feel worse for my partner. But so uh, the lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, you're going to get a kit for carrying around your toiletries. You're going to get uh, Manscaped underwear, which is comfortable and I wear all the time. And you're going to get some of their great uh, hygiene products. So it's an awesome package. You get all of it and you get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code Arsenal Vision. So you go to manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision, that's manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. The reason you want to do it now is because Manscaped has partnered with Goat Alex Caruso and the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So very important. Go to manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. One more thing I do want to let you know about. You may have heard that we are now a Blue Wire podcast. We are thrilled to be part of them, and they're going to be uh, working with us to make a major announcement about a big live event that I'm very excited about, so stay tuned for more on that, but... Um, if you want to host your own podcast and you want it distributed and put together and everything, Blue Wire has a, a, a service called Blue Wire Hustle. It was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. So as part of the program, you receive um, personal cover art that they'll make for you, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters. Uh, I don't know who those will be, but certainly they will be someone Um, There must be some top podcasters that that I I would certainly love to talk to a person like that. Access to our community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. All that with Blue Wire. On top of that, they'll help you get your show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all the other listening platforms. And the best part is it's $15 a month. Same rate as other hosting sites, but they don't give you all the services. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me or us, talk about your favorite team and make your voice heard in Hustle. You can sign up for Blue Wire Hustle. Now it is a, a program with limited acceptance. So you do need to apply to it, but you can go to bwhustle.com forward slash join. Bw forward slash join. And you can check out the description uh in, in the episode uh box, the 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 link in the box in the episode, this thing. You know, the thing I'm talking about, the thing you're listening to right now. Anyway, that's what we call professional advertising break. Uh Clive, has had enough of that?
2: Yeah, I was uh, awesome. <laughs> struggling through, mate. Struggling yeah, through. I've I'm been. still reeling from Tim's Gabrielle take, right? So you know so, what? Yeah,
1: Tim is Tim is hardest on 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 the Brazilians because he loves them. So no, you know, fair point.
2: I, li- I live in Clive's world, in the horizon, in, in my world, everything's pretty. Like right? so, everything's, pretty. No, everything's no, pretty. no drama.
1: Let's let's do speed round. So speed round. All you're gonna do is tell me undermet or exceeded. Okay, these are the ones that I think are easy and probably don't merit a discussion, or they do, and we just don't have time. So, Tim, I'll start with you. Hector Bellerin, under. Clive, under. Under for me as well. Kieran Tierney, Clive.
2: Um, I'd say he's yeah, he's over like overexceeded. Is that the right word? Exceeded. <laughs> a, Did,
1: you can't overexceed. Yeah. You can only exceed.
2: Yeah, we're not
1: doing exceeded. redundancies
3: today. Okay, <laughs> sorry, <Tim>? mate. <laughs> yeah, over for me over. definitely.
1: Yeah, uh, over for me as well. Uh, David Luiz, you know what? Let's pause on that. Let's have a conversation about David Luiz. So let's not do that one just yet. Pablo Marie, Clive.
2: I'd say he's met my expectations because I did think he was decent from his yeah. first game and so he's met until fine enough his worst game was his last one so he's met my expectations.
1: i gotta say exceeded because those of you who've listened previously know where i was on the marie thing he has massively exceeded my expectations and i'm happy for it tim
3: uh met this this is exactly the player i i thought we'd bought yes
1: well on that front then i'll ask you about cedric uh
3: i'd, I'd say exceeded slightly mm. exceeded okay. uh yeah
1: Interesting, because that doesn't jive with your take you think you'll still be right about. No, but
3: but essentially (laughs) I'm saying exceeded because I don't really rate him. Got
1: it. Okay, I'm I'm down with that. Clive, (laughs) Cedric?
2: I'd say met my expectations only because I thought, why the hell are we getting him? (laughs) So I'm looking around, you look for his Portugal record and you think, okay, I think he could be all right as a as a backup yeah but actually due to what's happened to Hector he's he's definitely met it maybe even slightly exceeded where I expected he could be
1: you know I didn't want him but I'll say he met in the sense that I thought he was roughly backup quality fullback and he's played like roughly backup quality fullback he's been totally serviceable but um, you know I don't think he's been more than that I think he's looked more than that at times only because we haven't always had a serviceable fullback on the right hand side which is a shame another easy one Clyde Bukayo Saka
2: yeah, exceeded. Mate, he's student. the he's the most valuable player in our squad. Mm-hmm. When we talk squad building, is something to think about. Yeah, simple as that.
3: Yeah, definitely exceeded. He, even though I I rated him very very highly. Um, yeah, still exceeded.
1: Yeah, he's exceeded for me as well. And I, I'd say that even with a period prior to this interlo where he looked a little, maybe a little. Fatigued, a little ready for a, a, a brief spell out of the team. He's still one of our best players this season, if not our best player. And as a teenager, that's saying something. So let's stop the speed round for a minute. Let's get back into ones that are worth a debate. I want to... All right, here's an interesting one. This is a really, really tricky one. Tim, I'll start with you. Nicola Pepe. Mm. Uh,
3: I'd say under... Um, And the reason I'd say that is if you'd asked me in the summer off the back of the cup final, off the back of the cup final, I thought, ah, here we go. Now this has happened. Um, You know, we all knew the talent of the player that we'd bought, but I kind of thought, ah, yeah, here we go. We're seeing it now. And we've seen it in big games. um, You know, the biggest game, um, not just of that particular season, but the biggest game for a few seasons, I think. Um, and, And I always rated the talent and quality of the player it, you know it it's taken me a little while longer to come to the conclusion that maybe he's just quite inconsistent and that's how it is because i don't think you come to that conclusion about a player in their first season i think uh, particularly you know their first season at a new club in a new league when you see inconsistency you you look for reasons for it um so yeah at the end of last season i thought ah here we go here's the breakout and uh i i can't remember what i said in the summer um predictions pod but i i suspect i might have had him down for like a contender for player of the season i i really thought that's what we'd be talking about um but then again i guess once we bought willian and i was i was never convinced we'd play willian any anywhere other than the right wing um maybe that tempered a bit however yeah still under uh, we're we're not um Again, how, however responsible he is for this personally, and he's definitely at least a little bit responsible, we, we're not getting value, not just from the transfer fee, but from his talent um, at the moment. Clive? Oh,
2: yeah, tough one. Wait, um, I'm going to say... Uh, i got to say slightly... I'm going to say Met. It's a tough one because I don't think this is all his fault this season. I think his uh, trajectory has been on the upward curve and I think we've done things to him. However, I I did a little bit of research recently just by looking back to some of the earlier games and looking back to how he looked. And I I went to look and see his physical development actually. And he has developed physically. He's a different animal completely on the pitch and he's far more two-way now. And I do think we bought a £72 million incomplete player which looks really strange you know now you don't do that you know Liverpool Van Dyke at 70 million no one expected him to spend two years waiting for him do you know what I mean so that's what you do that's all money and, um, and that's what we've, we've done we've we, we've had to train him up I really do think that tactically physically team play wise none of those things were there but talent wise this significant things he can do with both feet how he controls the ball how he moves the ball we all know the player now talent wise it's huge, but I do think he lacks all round football ability at the highest level. Now, that sounds crazy, but I think it's true. And you look back at some of those videos, he's very much a YouTube player, right? So so we've had to get him to this point. I do feel he's a player that needs to be trusted. And I think Arteta's making him work hard to be trusted. And I think that's a form of man management, either works here or it doesn't. So I'm gonna say probably met, but you know, he seventy million pound, right? He's not. I don't think he's going to meet anyone's expectations based on the deal. But I just don't think that's his fault.
1: Mm. I struggle. That's Yeah, fault. yeah, yeah. Well, I I would say this. I would say that when he has played, he has roughly met my expectations of the player I th- think he can be and would be for us this season. He finished looking really good at the end of last season. And I was really excited for what he could be this season. I think William coming in was, was absolutely a travesty for him in, in terms of his confidence, his belief in his role in the team and, you know, his his the faith the manager had in him. But you think of those couple of starts he had on the left and you think of the times he's come in as a sub recently. He's a guy who is... Clive, I think you nailed it. He's incomplete. He's flawed. But he always looks dangerous. He can do some things that I'm not sure any of our other players can do. And... He gets kicked to pieces, which doesn't help. He's a very honest player in a way in terms of winning penalties, but I think he started to kind of learn that he might have to practice the dark arts a little bit. I just think he looks incredibly dangerous. The first time right-footed cross to, to Lacazette for the goal is excellent, but he had a couple of chances in that very same game. One where he's put through, pulled back, didn't go down, could have. The other where he gets it on his left foot and hits straight at the keeper. He should do better. He's meeting my expectations in that he's a player who's on the brink, always looks on the brink to me like he's going to break out. You know what I mean? Like I watch him and I think you have this supernova end product potential and it's just not there. Now to be fair, there are some players that look that way their whole career. I remember uh, Spurs had a player named Aaron Lennon that they seemed to like and he was garbage. And anybody who watched him it wasn't a Spurs fan could see he was garbage. He had nothing about him. Maybe I have the Arsenal rose-colored glasses on, same thing. Guy with a lot of flair, but at the end of the day doesn't have it. I don't think so, though. I think I think he has it. And I, I think our inability to use him enough for him to really get into a rich vein of form is not his fault. He is meeting my expectations of the player I think he can be when he's on the pitch, but he's not on the pitch enough and that's not his fault. I mean, is that fair? Do, do I have this wrong? Tim, like, is... Is the player in there as good as I still think he is, or am I just now squinting too hard to see it?
3: He, he is, yeah, but at the same time, I, I still think... Um, I think the inconsistency is reducing, but maybe that's because the the amount of time he's on the pitch is reducing and the game state is more favorable to him when he comes on from the bench. There there have still been games, like I'm thinking of um, you know, the Man City home game where he... he was, and and look, it's Man City, we all know that, but I mean, he was genuinely rubbish um, and didn't do, you know, did very little, I think, of the defensive work that that he's done better this year. I I still think there, I I think that gap is narrowing. I still think that essentially, if he played um, the next four games, played every minute, um, I I think that would help him, don't get me wrong, to get rid of some of the inconsistency, but I, I do think we'd still see some of that um, so I, I, I kind of ag- agree with you. But at the same time, um, I, I think he has his responsibility in this too.
2: Can I, can I just add something to that? I mean, it's more of a general question. right? And I think judging wide players who take risks consistently, I think is really quite hard. Because once we see them do the things we would love them to do, we feel they should be able to do it all the time. It's a natural thing as a fan. We think, well, he's fast. Why can't he run fast? I've seen him run fast. Why can't he do it? He's beat that man. Why is he not beating him? You know, and I think with strikers, he's easier to judge. because he goes in there, he doesn't. With wide creators, wide players. I've said it before, I think we suffer John Barnes syndrome. So John Barnes calls that goal for England in the American Isle. He can never reach those heights again for England fans, even though he's the best player of his generation. You know, player of the year, two, three times. Liverpool's greatest ever players but for England he couldn't quite do that and so England fans booed him right so I think we have a situation with wide players where I think it's very hard for some people to judge them all our hopes and dreams are in them in their boots and when they do it it's great and when they don't they're not good enough and I think it's just and they're the first ones to get substituted it's it's uh it's not just a Pepe thing it's a broader discussion uh, if you know, think of a white man that's consistent, I don't think there is one. Maybe Raheem Sterling. It took him a while to get there, you know. And um, there isn't many white men that are consistently good in Well, I, I got to be
1: honest, Clive. I look at a guy in Wilfred Zaha, who people just continue to rave about, and I look at the end product he's got, and I realize he's right, played he's some gone. terrible teams. But I mean, he's yeah. never been as good consistently as his reputation would have you believe.
2: Yeah, he's got at the moment. He's not. He's in the wrong place. Signed a bad contract and he's sulking, and that's the end of him, right, silly boy. Um, Should have got a much better contract and make sure he had an exit plan. But, uh, you know, wide players do suffer the wrath of football fans, I think, because we really expect them to do a lot. And if you think back through, you know, even our recent history, and other teams' wide players, I think I think it's, a, it's an analysis issue. It really is for me. And um, I'm not trying to dismiss what you guys have said about Pepe, because I'm in the same place. He, I think he's a wonderful talent doesn't do it quite enough, right? So how let's talk about that and how we got there and what we're doing to him, et cetera, and mm-hmm. how we get the most out of him. me? it's a broader topic, but wide player analysis is a discussion to have.
1: You, you couldn't be more right. And all you have to look at is, we had Arsenal fans that weren't sure Alexis was good because he gave the ball away a bit. Absolutely. I mean, the standard for wide players, what they have to do, they have to score 20 goals, get 10 assists, and never give the ball away and run back up the pitch to defend and steal the ball off the opposition, then run back down the pitch, beat two guys off the dribble and score or assist. It's
2: yep.
1: it's too much. And I mean, when Alexis is catching flack, scoring 25 goals and getting 10 assists a season, you know, and running himself into the ground and pressing and being a one-man team and winning a SNFA Cup, yeah, you know that you know the standard is a little bit uh, out of whack. So with that having been said, let's get to a player that I think is incredibly difficult to analyze. Tim, I'll start with you on this one again. Alexander Lacazette, underperformed, met, or exceeded? expectation
3: yeah that is a really difficult one because I think he's done all three at various points he really has done all three um, can I ask uh, so, you a question
1: if I asked you before West Ham how different would your answer be
3: yeah before West Ham do you know what I, before West Ham I might just go under I'm gonna say Met. Um mm. I, I think the desk the, sorry the, the journey is different because it's been so up and down but the destination when I look at like number of goals and assists is is probably about what I expected um and and that said like with the number of goals he's got I was thinking that Aubameyang would have like double the amount of goals so i was thinking like respect you know fairly respectable second goal scorer statistics although you'd probably want more from a central striker type thing um i didn't imagine he'd be the top scorer so i mean he succeeded i guess in that respect but uh, there have been phases of the season i think what you see with lacazette is there there are games that suit him and there are games that really really don't um pretty much none of those games that suit him came in that november december period where uh, and i don't really think that was his fault he was an island he was being asked to be like a number nine and a number 10 at the same time he spent some games as an actual number 10 as well which is not really what he is and yeah so he's been asked to do some some quite weird jobs this season but I I honestly think the truth of this player is that there are some games and some game states that really suit him and some that really don't and when they don't he might as well not be on the pitch um quite frankly so all of that taken I'm gonna have to say met I think um Mm. just because there's just been such a mixture of all three
1: I rate Lacazette as an elite backup striker at the Premier League level, at the big club Premier League level. And I think he's met that expectation quite well. The problem is that the star striker hasn't. So it all looks worse, yeah. right? If Obama and you said this, so I'm just really cribbing off your answer, but if Aubameyang had 15 goals, we'd feel great about what Lacazette has added. Um, but you look at that West Ham performance, the through ball to Saka, Touch, turn, slam it into the back of the net, admittedly off a defender. It wasn't going in, but you know, touch, turn, and smash it. A back post header. That's center forward play. That's all around number nine play, and I just don't think we've seen enough of it. I think we've seen him do the holdup stuff and chase and Harry and, and press, but we've seen plenty of games where he has zero shots, zero key passes. Um, I, I still think if the guy has a number nine on his back, he has to take some shots. He has to be in the box. He has to score some goals. And Lacazette has struggled at times this season. Some of that's system oriented, but as a elite tier backup striker, I think he's met the expectations. The problem is the star striker ahead of him hasn't. So, Clive, do you see it that way or differently?
2: Uh, he's he sort of exceeded my expectations, and um, because I wanted him sold not just this summer, maybe in the summer before, oh, yeah. or never. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, it was a bad buy, right? But it's, but you know, once he's here, he's, he's, that's it. I, I support him, but I felt there was a time to, to sell him because I felt physically he was always on the edge. If he could last games, and he also got to predict the future and say, you know what, there could be some value in you now. He's actually exceeded my expectations because of what Aubameyang's done, but what he's done around the younger players, I think he's read the room far better than Aubameyang. I think he's he just developed into a team quicker. Um, I think he's shown a strong mentality in games, a stronger, more consistent mentality. I think he's shown fight when the team needed fight. And uh, and I think he's definitely surprised me. I'm conscious that he's a contract pending out there, and we've seen his little spike in form, pre-contract <laughs> discussions. So I'm, I'm hoping, not so we don't fall for it, but I think we need to develop and refresh our and evolve our front line and we can't say that, and he will keep them all. Do you know what I mean? Because it doesn't allow room for development. So, but from a season performance, he's done a lot to to lift us back to some form of normalcy, shall we say? And um, so, yeah, he's exceeded my expectations definitely. And I think going forward, there's a discussion to be had about who plays number nine in a a team that's revolving around highly skilled and creative midfielders, which we didn't have pre-Christmas. You know, we talked about three players that appeared out of nowhere almost uh, unbelievably talented, and Lacazette suits them.
1: It's interesting because Lacazette does seem to suit them. And I think if we hadn't given Obama the contract and it was expiring this summer, we would be having an interesting discussion about Lacazette staying as, as a more traditional number nine option with players like Pepe and Martinelli available to be a number nine experiment. Um, but with Obama on the big money and being here for a couple more seasons, still feels like a position we almost have to give to him. Now, we know Arteta doesn't think that way, but with that having been said, Clive, I think this is an easy one, but I think the discussion is interesting, so I will throw it over to you, Pierre-Emerick mm-hmm. under-met or exceeded expectations
2: yeah he's 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 exceeded and he's under <laughs> he's under <Touché>. and <laughs> sometimes I've just got a spirit of Paul flowing through me, right <laughs> so um <laughs> just to throw you off your stuff. so yeah, I think he's under. let do we do we need to litigate it? I mean he he for me, he's I know, he's a player that's out of form, but he's a class player. so you know class is permanent he he'll he'll come back. Um, I am worried about the what he does when he's not playing well. I, I don't like where he goes. I don't like how he transmits during a bad game. I think you can watch Kieran Tierney play the other day. He didn't have a great game at West Ham, but he still made a match saving block. He still dug out something out of himself. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I wanted him to portray a different face when things are not so great. And I think... If you're a 31-year-old, highest-paid player in the club, and you're the captain of the club, I think you have responsibility to to show that face a little bit more and help bring people along, and not just internalise when you're having a bad moment. Um, he's had a few bad moments this year, and the club has supported him for whatever reasons, and quite rightly, as he supported us through the last couple of years, so quite rightly, and he's, in, and he's in a bit of bad form. And, and, and we literally and it just add, add the goals, add the eight goals that are missing, and we look different, mm-hmm. you know, and um, everything looks different. And Arteta suddenly exceeds expectations or meets them and everything mm-hmm. looks different. It's that fine a margin and we miss those goals and it, it makes us look where we should be. And so, yeah, you know the answer, mate. It's under,
1: but yeah. this is not
2: over. Goal, yeah. We need it. It's not over yet this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what's hard for me, Clive, is that I think in general, as Arsenal fans, we probably slightly lack the framework and I don't mean you in terms of you don't know, you know you can't see football the right way but just in terms of our experience with the the strikers we've had slightly lacked the framework for analyzing evaluating watching enjoying a low touch end product striker I mean Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang isn't a guy who when the ball hits his feet it you know bounces out in a touch but he's not He's not a guy who should be trying to beat three guys off the wing or delivering crosses regularly or going to play a final ball. I mean, he, he is a guy you want in the box, near the box, running onto things, popping up in areas to, to get a, a foot on the last, you know, the last touch to, to get it in the net. And, and he's missed some big chances, which isn't great. I think the problem with players like that, though, is in games where they don't get goals, it just looks like they've sucked. And because one of two things happened. Either they were invisible or they had three chances and missed them all. And both of those things are bad. And yet somehow you look at them at the end of the season, they have 25 league goals. The problem is this season, he's not going to have the 25 league goals. So suddenly those things do look bad. The interesting thing is since Boxing Day, he's at about .73 expected goals per 90. There's only two players above him in the entire league during that time. And those are elite levels that are closer. What was that? Sorry.
2: I'll say that's really good. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. That's
1: really good. it is. Um, you know, and like I said, only two players in the league who played any real minutes. I mean, there's guys that have played five minutes that are above him, but with any real minimum minutes, you know, no one, no one is at the level that that he is. You know, and uh, not no one, two two players. <laughs> but more more of the story is, I think that he. I think that he is coming around a little in this role, but you only see it when he scores goals because that's kind of the player he is. I will still say this, Tim, as I turn it over to you because I'm starting to ramble. When these Europa League ties come around, I know who I want playing center forward. And as much as Lacazette has done for us, I still want Aubameyang there. I've seen him drag us past teams in Europe. I've seen him drag us to a European Mm -hmm. final. I've seen us win the FA Cup for us against Chelsea and City. I know he can do it. And I still think it's in there, form notwithstanding. So for you, I, I mean I think it's an under, but do you do yeah, yeah. you sort of stand with me in the from the perspective that while it is an under, he still holds that position of of being the guy you most trust in that role?
3: One hundred percent, yeah. Um it, it's definitely an under. Of course it is. You can't say you rate the player as highly as we say we do, and then say that seven goals from open play in the Premier League is, is a met or overperformed. It is not. Um again, how much responsibility he bears for that um obviously it's not zero percent he bears some responsibility for that i i do think there are plenty of other things going on um i completely agree and and it's interesting you give that xg figure i I was looking this up the other week in the premier league only anyway his average over his time at arsenal is 0.61 i think um Mm -hmm. xg per game per 90 Um, So he's he's over that at the moment. It's just the the finishing isn't quite there. And, you know, there are some concerning things that you can't say it's not concerning. You can't hand wave um, the captain being dropped for the North London derby because, um, you know, he keeps losing his alarm clock or whatever. Um, That that is concerning. Um, I I do completely agree with you in terms of um, he's still the player I want up there. Um, as as simple as that, we because we know we know the history of this player. We know we know he does it in big games, etc., etc. We've seen it. I, I think what's really interesting to me, though, is uh, you know going to the your point, Elliot, about um, players like this when they don't score. They've they've well, they don't just look like they've done nothing. They haven't really done anything when they when they haven't scored. And and what's um, what's really interesting to me is how quickly the Arsenal fans in general are down on Aubameyang. It's happened a few times um, since he's been here, like when he missed that, that penalty against Spurs and, and everyone was gunning for him. Um, and it's kind of happening again now. Um, and I think there are a couple of things. Obviously, the contract. Um, and again, that makes perfect sense. When you pay more money for something, you want you want more from it. That absolutely makes sense. I think the captaincy is caught up in here and I think that's absurd. I just think um, particularly English fans have this like this fucking absurd obsession with the captaincy and what that should mean and what it does and we're really biased to very like we're, we're, there is a general not just in football bias towards extroversion which to me is a really simple misunderstanding
1: of what leadership is. I agree um, with you but know. can we agree not to throw it on the ground though? The armband? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
3: cool. <laughs> like like we, we, we have a really I think gen, gen, the general populace not just football fans I think we have a really warped view of what leadership is um, and it takes many, many forms and it's not just the guy yelling and shouting and thumping his chest in a sporting context the same way as it's not just the loudest person in the office um, it's not necessarily a leader sometimes they are um, but that's there's a lot more to it and so i think there's a lot of that caught up in it the kind of people expect like players personalities to change when they take on a captain's armband and for them to turn into tony adams and and they don't what a leader does a leader uses their personality and exhibits the strengths of their personality and for a Bamiyang, the strength of his personality is that generally speaking, particularly in front of goal, he doesn't let things get to him. So if he misses a couple of chances, he goes and scores the next one. That is leadership because that is his personality coming through and and that is exactly what leaders do. They they exhibit they exhibit the strengths of their personalities. Mm. Um, so I think uh, I think there's a little bit of nonsense caught up in this as well, quite frankly. However, like I think also I think you're right. I think particularly in this day and age. Well, not even just in this day and age, because when I was a kid people used to like Gary Lineker one of the best strikers ever quite frankly which sticks in the crawl because he played for Spurs for a while but one of the best ever and people used to just say he was a tap-in merchant when I was a kid like that's an easy thing to be Um, and I'm sure people said it about Jimmy Greaves as well, I think people misunderstand this type of player because the whole point of their game is to disappear. The whole point of their game is to go where no one else is. The whole point is that they're supposed to evade detection, so of course you don't notice them. You're not supposed to. If you notice a player like Aubameyang, it's because he's coming into crowd scenes and not doing his job. His job is to get away from there and get into the spaces where nobody else is, and I think players like that will always kind of struggle look how long it took for Sergio Aguero to get due credit it took a long time and he had some big goals behind him and still people didn't not didn't rate him but didn't give him his due as an elite striker they do now but it took a while and so I I do think there are a lot of these kind of intangibles caught up in it that said I, you know, I rate this player and his talent immensely highly and you cannot say anything other than he is under-delivered on that and that he has some responsibility for that
1: Yeah, uh, Clive?
2: Yeah, I think um, we watched the West Ham game, didn't we, the second half when he got took off and we were thinking we did well to last that long and we watched it closely, didn't we, and he didn't play that badly, right, so it comes back to that was an offer on the day and that's what he did um, and mm-hmm. I think Tim will talk about leadership there, what I would say is the strength of Yang's leadership and the strength of his personality is his personality. I think that's how he leads, by who he is. So if he disappears as who he is, which he can do when he's having a bad day, I think that then takes away from his leadership. And I think people look to him as that light bulb in the room, that that bright player Ian Wright had a similar type extrovert personality you know and as soon as he walked to the dressing room he settled in day one that was it like he had been in 20 years i think when i worry about bang bang when i see his personality go and because i think he's a sensitive boy and that's it and but i still want him in our center forward i was just getting used to him as i sent forward actually and i think he was just starting to really get to grips with it i think moving him wide maybe it was injury related recently but I think he's brought doubts into the play again. I think we just need to settle and say we've paid you. You're a centre forward, and then we share that role with other people behind you. But you're the main man, and that's it. And I think he was just getting it, and then we took it away. And so, yeah, one to watch there. But I, I just think you know, hopefully he's scored a goal while he's away. He smiles back on his face, and if he smiles back on his face playing for Arsenal, I think he'll, I think he'll deliver in the last third of the season.
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, there's so many articles out now. The one thing data analysis has taught us about football is that one of the biggest skills is not finishing. It's not goal scoring. It's getting into good goal scoring chances. There was a statistic floating around that I think a season ago or two seasons ago, the guy who missed the most big chances in the Premier League was Mohamed Salah. he had also scored the most goals. The talent, the skill is getting good chances. If you do that, you're a good player, and inevitably, you're going to wind up with a big goal tally. So if Yang is doing that right now in this new system, then keep playing him, and I trust the goals will come. None of this is a good analysis of whether that contract made sense and he should stay. Um, but you know what? We can't undo that. So all we can hope now is that he goes back to exceeding our expectations rather than underperforming them. Um, let's start to wrap up. I, I think there's probably two that I'd like to get to one we can do very quickly and then we'll end on one that might take just a touch longer let's do these as quick as we can though um, Clive real quick Burn Leno underperformed met or exceeded expectations
2: I'm going to say met I've got a lot of recency in there I think he's he's on the edge mate he's mm-hmm. on the edge and I'm that. looking at him I'm looking at him very unfair because he saves us. Particularly, when we're going for our bad patch. He makes fifteen great saves a game, which I've now forgotten because I'm in the happy world of looking <laughs> forward. <laughs> um, but I'm looking at how he's playing now, and eventually we're going to look at how we could develop our style of play. And there are things we need from our goalkeeper that we're not getting if we're going to develop this possession style. I definitely, just, I I do think that. And um, he's going for a rough patch. Maybe this little break will get him refreshed mentally. So I'll say met for now was that quick mm, enough that is quick <laughs> enough
1: and uh, analyzing goalkeepers kind of bores me if i'm being honest but, but it's important tim you yeah i'm I'm gonna say a
3: met and like clive maybe three weeks ago i'd have said exceeded i i guess the the issue i still have yeah issues like clive said about him passing out from the back and he's good at that but maybe we want someone who's really good at that um or rather he's he's not bad at it i don't think he's made some mistakes but but anyway um but also i still have this slight doubt so i thought he looked great in that period where we where um we were crap and there were a lot more shots on our goal i think we've kind of narrowed that down now And um, we're we're at a stage where we're not conceding as many shots on our goal. And and if you want a top goalkeeper, that's what the top goalkeepers do when they're involved once or twice a game, but they pull you out the mire. Um, And and I'm just a bit worried that Leno's slight dip has coincided with a time when we're perhaps not conceding as many shots on our goal. Um, yeah, so I still have some doubts over the long term I think but Um, yeah, I, i'm gonna say matt. I'm, I don't have like a problem with him per
2: se Yeah, sorry I will say that tim's has called this from the start. I gotta say this because When he was flying around his goal He, he actually called him like that's what mid-table goalkeepers do And uh, um, what's gonna happen now? We've got some structure. We've got good defense per se apart from the issues Some come from him and now we're looking for a goalkeeper of an elite team to do elite things. Do you know what I mean? Um, which may not be flying to the top corner. And I think you've, you've called this one right from the start. And I think it's going to be interesting to see now how we develop that position if we do, if it's a priority. But one to watch.
3: Yeah, yeah he's got two years on his contract. So we're at that stage, aren't we?
2: Mm, we are.
1: I would say this. I think his shot stopping is not a concern for me in general. I believe in that. Um... Could he command his area a little better? Maybe, potentially fine. I do think that there is a, a demand on goalkeepers now for the way they play with the ball at their feet that changes the calculus of how we think about goalkeepers. It was not that long ago that if they made all the saves, you loved them. Um, and that that isn't the case anymore. I'm not convinced he will ever be as comfortable with the ball at his feet as we'd like our goalkeeper to be. But I still think, in general, his shot stopping is fine. I mean, look, every goalkeeper makes an error. I've seen David De Gea become terrible. I don't know how it happens. Who could understand how? I mean, whatever happened to Kepa, who was bought for huge money and was the literally the worst goalkeeper in the league, saving about fifty percent of the shots he faced. Like, I I can't figure out what happens. But keepers miss shots. They make mistakes. They they lose their head. Like confidence is definitely a thing as keeper. I still feel Leno makes the saves by and large. Whether he's good enough with his feet, mm-hmm. we'll have to see. For me, he meets. Uh, anyone have anything else on that?
3: No, I think I, I guess the only thing I'd say there is, is like you say, like because um, goalkeepers you you can't hide and have a six out of ten as a goalkeeper. You know, like you maybe can if if you're a fullback and you've gone through a little bit of a dip. Like if you're a goalkeeper and you have a little bit of a dip, that means you're chucking the ball in your net. Mm. Um, whereas if you're at fullback, you can hide. You can hide like a couple of six out of tens up your shirt for three weeks and not have anyone notice.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, all, the the goal, I guess it turns out it was deflected at the near post, the the one that he lets go through his legs against West Ham. But, you know, people see something like that and immediately think, oh, this keeper stinks. You know, there's not a lot of forgiveness in the way we evaluate that. Um, let's, all right, let's do, I said one more, we're going to do two more super quick because we haven't done Louise yet, have we? And he's pretty important. So uh, Tim, David, Louise. Yeah, Met for me. Um I again the
3: chronology of it, I, I thought that this is the sort of time where he we'd maybe be phasing him out and moving away from him, but actually he started I think he started nine of the last eleven games now. Um, which is quite interesting. I, I think his season's gone the other way round to what I expected. But yeah, I, I think Matt, I think he's largely been very good. His distribution's been very good. A couple of mistakes. I still think, I, I, don't, I genuinely don't think there's a player in world football whose mistakes attract as much attention as David Luiz's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, David Luiz is, in and of his own right, has been considered entertainment. And his mistakes are in like they're photocopied blown up times four um you know like when you photocopy your ass at the christmas party that kind of thing um, pe- people love nothing more than a David Luiz error that that retweet button is getting hit and believe he just me cut I his follow hair, Tim
1: it would never happen
3: yeah <laughs> I believe me I, I follow like all the Brazilian sport news outlets that every single mistake every time he makes a mistake they're on it because they know it's it's great metrics a David Luiz error that doesn't mean he doesn't make them he does but I still think they attract more attention than anyone else but yeah for, for me it's a met this is this is largely what I expected of him, albeit maybe I expected his season to be the other way around to this.
1: I, I I would say he exceeded my expectations, Clyde, because for me, I expected him to make errors that cost us, and in between, I expected his performances to be mediocre. What I got instead were errors that cost us, and in between, performances that were really excellent. I, I think the day of him, the days of him being a reliably excellent central defender consistently, I thought those were gone. And I think if we're being really fair to David Luiz, outside of the games where he's made those killer mistakes, he's been excellent. Am I wrong about that? I mean, I yeah. feel like he's, he's, he's been a lottery machine, right? He's been a um, a slot machine. You you either get the error, or everything else is just consistent. It's always the same.
2: Yeah, I, I think he's slightly exceeded mine. And as you guys were talking there, and Tim was talking, I'm thinking, oh, should we offer him a contract or not? That's the question I'm really thinking about. Um, he has been... Our best defender, you know, he, he has. And well, I think our best defender is Gabriel. But in some ways, he's been our leader defender, you know, the one we rely on. And I think normally in a defence central defensive pair, you have like a, a low block, solid defender, and you have a ball progressing defender, possession defender. And he is that possession defender. He's he's um, deferred, and moved over from the left to the right. We spent most of his career on left hand side. He's on the right. He switches play to the left. And he's got a pass on there. I think he's very important to how we play. You know, holding can't play those passes. You know, he just can't. And um Marie does his thing from the left hand side to so does Gabrielle. So he's a very important part of our of our system. And I don't I'm not only you know, Tim was saying there about the, the press and how they react and I think that's an interesting view. But more importantly, I think the referees react to him in the same way. Like they're looking for his mistakes, looking for his errors, and they always get maximum punishment. You know, it's almost like oh, it's David Luiz. He's definitely pulled him down. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's followed him around, and um, he doesn't get the same breaks other people get. And I think he's I think he's had a fantastic career. Gotta say, look at his career end to end. It's been unbelievable. He's won everything there is to win, and we've got him now. And he's surprising me as an individual. So we spoke about William earlier. But David Luiz has come in late. Yes, he's made high-profile mistakes. Oh, it feels that way. But I get his feeling that he's exactly what should happen when an experienced player comes in, minus two or three mistakes, to when they come into a club. He has done his job. You know, he has come in, he's mentored, he's led. He's just had a few blow-ups And right, that make me think, new contract or not. At the moment, I'm 50-50, but he definitely exceeded my expectations
1: um mm. All right. Well, can we get to the last one? And I, I don't think we need to have a whole podcast about him. But I'm really just curious. So let's get to him, Clive Granichaka
2: Oh. Okay. Um, oh, you, you did. You done me there. Um, <laughs> I think. Uh, I think I'm gonna say Met because again, for football side of things, he's. He's the totem of the team, right? So he just plays. Every manager picks him to play every single minute of every single game. So there's a reason for that, right? And I'm not a professional, so everyone does it. He's playing for Switzerland, I think, now. Every minute of every game in the break. Doesn't get a rest. Um, so, again, similar to Louise, he's brought the dramas experienced players don't need to bring. But he brings a level of consistency when he does play well and he brings a level of leadership to the group. It's, to me from where I sit, it seems obvious that the the three main leaders are Bamiang. Maybe Lacazette's in there as well, Bam Lacazette. Louise and Shaka. And like that's the leadership group. And Shaka, if he wasn't for the fact he threw his armband down, left and blinded everybody else, I think he would be the captain. You know? So, um the football side of the thing, I think he just about met. Um I do think in the last game, I know it's recency. There is a change to how we play, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if he can evolve with that change, if he can move the ball quickly enough, although I think he's somebody that will fight, work hard on his position, body position, and do just that. So, yeah, he's met my expectations, maybe even slightly exceeded it since party's come in. You know, I think he's performed at a really high level, maybe since Burnley, the first one. So, yeah, fair play.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say he met my expectations, which is when the circumstances are right, he's a player who can be very good in a team that's functioning really properly. When he has the right partner, when he's given the right role, when he can play the passes he's comfortable with, up the wing, you know, to his partner, back to central defenders, occupy space where he can see the game in front of him and doesn't have to chase back, then... Granite Shaka is a perfectly serviceable player. And I think in the games where he hasn't had that opportunity, where he's had to cover more ground or chase back or hasn't had a partner who can progress the ball and he has to take more responsibility and his personality gets the better of him and is bigger than his talent, then he struggles. And the one thing you know you're going to get from Granite Shaka is errors that cost you. Errors that just sort of like David Luiz errors really hurt you. So I would say that he has met the level that I expect from him, which is a good talented player who probably is just a little too limited to be the guy that should be a starting central midfielder for Arsenal going forward. And that if Thomas Partey is really going to hit his expectations, I'd love to give him a better partner to play with regularly. So that's my Granite shaka take, Tim. He's met my expectations, which are basically a guy who's just a little not quite good enough to be a starting central midfielder in my mind for where we want to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say, Met and and a bit like um a
3: bit like some of the other players, I'd say that the the journey has been different, um, even if the destination has been the same. I'm trying to take out the recency here and look across the whole season, um, because if you ask me, the last three months, I'd say exceeded by quite a way, actually. Al- albeit, I think that player's always been there, but I've 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 always thought, you know, there's a Jacka landmine every ten yeah. games or so. And um, and and I know he had that error against Burnley, but like I said at the time, I wasn't that worried about that because that wasn't a temperament thing; it was a technical error. Mm. Which, in fairness, he doesn't make many of those. Like technically, he is incredibly sound. It's his temperament that is not sound. Um, but technically, he is. So I, I'm, I was kind of happy to write that off as a bit of a one-off, to be honest. Um, and and I do think for the last yeah, since Christmas, he has been. He has been good or really good in every game and i never that that's what i didn't expect from jacker what i expect from jacker is five good games and a bad one yeah i don't expect I, I i and i definitely don't expect like five bad games and a good one like i always think that the player is a good player but there are just moments and those moments happen too often what he's done in the last three months is put together in my view three months of really good form which i don't think i've ever seen from him before um or maybe i have but can't quite remember it but you know what i mean in my mind
2: as well tim with different people around him
3: yeah exactly and it's not just been party because party's either not been fit or you know just downright not been playing during that period um but, you know, if, if I look across the whole season, I'd say Met because I think there have been plenty of those performances and errors there. Um, it's just that they've not really been there in the last kind of three months. And I guess that makes me a bit hopeful going forward, even if, if I share your sentiment of, of upgrading. If I mean, if you ask me from this time last year, I'd say massively exceeded, mm. actually. Um, when you think, I know that it wasn't the immediate aftermath, but last January, like we had to convince him not to and again like look at what I,
1: <laughs> yeah there was a question whether I, he'd ever play for us again Yeah.
3: <laughs> well yeah exactly but like he wanted to go to Hertha Berlin and we're talking about his temperament what a dreadful dreadful idea that would have been for him mm. to go to Hertha Berlin who have not done anything um like they thought they were going to do with this kind of new investment what an awful move that would have been which would have been a, a fit of peak a fit of temper him just going i want to leave i'm going to take the first offer it would have been a ridiculous hot-headed decision of which we've seen plenty from him but uh you know the manager talked him around and 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 i for the last three four months i don't think i've seen his, since the red card at Burnley, I don't think I've seen his temperament falter. And that's really allowed um, a lot of his qualities to come through. And I, I've yeah. kind of gone through. I'm still not at the, yep, this is the guy I want in the long term. But I don't shudder when I see his name on the team sheet, put it that way.
1: I think Granit Xhaka is certainly a quintessential example for other players in remembering that fan sentiment is so short-lived don't get yourself in a row with the fans because it's not worth it because it'll come around. Pull the shirt on, play the game, and if you play even half decent for a while, they'll forget about it. This is a guy who took the armband off, threw it on the ground, threw two fingers up to the fans, and here we are a year later. And and it's almost like it never happened because we tend to be pretty short, you know, short-term in our thinking about that stuff.
3: Yeah, and you know abameyang will find that as well like yeah, people course. are on it at the moment but he'll score i don't know two against slavia prague or he'll sc- or we'll get through to the semi-finals like he'll score big goals before this season is out and people will forgive him it'll be the same deal
1: I guarantee you, when he's holding the Europa League trophy over his head in celebration, no one is going to be wondering what time he got to the ground. And I think we can leave it there. Uh, that'll that'll do it for us this time. Just the 90 minutes to get you through. I'm back to the home studio tomorrow. So uh, sound issues and focus and concentration and editing and all that will be back to the uh, bog-standard, mediocre level that you expect from us. So we, we look forward to that. Plenty coming up for patrons this week, and I hope you'll join us. But if you don't, uh, don't join us because we're happy to have you here. Either way, we just love you for being here. Tim's on Twitter. Thanks, Tim.
3: My pleasure as always.
1: Clive is the man tolerating my ad reads. He's on Twitter at ClivePFC. Hello, Clive. Thank you, Clive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: My, my pleasure. And my name is Alex Faithykabat. Me on Twitter, at Yankee Gunner. We love you. Uh, there will be more to come this week. And then football is back real football, actual football that we care about. So we look forward to that. We love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Liverpool News.